Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. We are going to recap NWSL Week 2. Before we get into all the games, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also on YouTube. So subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third to get exclusive NWSL content, previews, recaps, interviews, all right here on A3. And don't forget that Paramount Plus is your home for the 2023 NWSL season. And Paramount Plus is giving away one free month to kickstart you for the NWSL season. So use promo code NWSL2023. That's NWSL NWSL2023. For one free month, I can't believe we're already going to chat about a week two of NWSL. <laughs> it just feels like so much has happened and it's only been two weeks of action and we're back at it on a Sunday evening chatting about all things National Women's Soccer League. How are you doing tonight, Lisa? I am so good because week two was uh, brought some fireworks. There was, there was some incredible matchups, some surprising things that happened. Uh, of course, some records broken historical stuff being done game in and game out which is very cool um especially because in a league in its 11th year 10th season uh maybe there's not always going to be records broken when you're this far into a league but this is when we start to get like 30th career goal at home or 100th cap or things like that for these players that have been in the league for so long it's it's really historic to see but definitely a lot of good action a lot to go through we talked about our picks in the preview as we always do we get to go through all of them and, and see how we did based on it um but only one game on this Sunday, which was a bit shocking to those like used to the schedule where we're usually going so late into Sunday night. So if you're joining us around eight o'clock Eastern, it's like the sun has just set here. We're like riled up. We've got a whole night ahead of us. So thanks for joining us. Look, I'm just going to I'm just going to put it out there now because I want to shine some light on this because it's a big deal, especially if you're playing along with our bingo card. But Lisa Roman made all six picks. For this weekend's slate of games, she got all six of her picks correct. So make sure, sure you check it off. 
if you're playing along with attacking third bingo i'm like let's just no let's open it up with that just right away we don't even have to go through it i am pretty proud about this i mean week two i get all six picks right um running down the board even i got the draw Mm -hmm. correct between racing louisville and washington we're going to talk about all the games but um yeah you know i like to win i'm pretty competitive here we're we're into that here at, at attacking third so i am very happy so if you are playing bingo mark that off lisa gets all six picks right uh giving it away for you who's who didn't listen to our preview but you get to know the answers on sunday night look you you know who else likes to win uh katie johnson likes to win and let's start there let's start with angel city versus orlando pride orlando the hosts in this one their home opener in week two but unfortunately, they're not able to pick up a result in this one. Comes down to the death, the absolute death. Nine something plus minutes of stoppage time, a two-one scoreline for this one. A PK conversion by Claire Emsley for the Pride. Um, or excuse me for Angel City. Messiah Bright, the rookie, getting the goal scoring happening for the Pride in this one on her. Uh, rookie goal scoring debut and Katie Johnson with the game winner. Lisa, we got to start with this game first because it's obviously it's the most fresh in our mind. People are joining us from perhaps watching this game already. Uh, had a lot of fun watching this. It, it was it was the headliner. It was the one game on Sunday for everyone to tune into, um, and it kind of had a little bit of NWSL after dark energy despite it actually not being that type of kickoff um uh, I loved the I loved uh, some of the energy that we saw between both these sides you know Orlando despite um not hanging on for a result I think there's some you could see some improvements I think from week one to week two and I think had the scoreline yeah. ended a different way maybe we we don't echo that similar sentiment for Angel City, but winning often for a lot of people means short memories. And um, while maybe there were some some interesting things between the lines for Angel City that we would like to maybe see improve, they were still walking away with all three points in this one. Yeah, this I think was really massive for Angel City. Um, both of us picking the Los Angeles side to get this win over Orlando, but it, it wasn't until the final minutes of stoppage time, the 100 minutes is is what our Optostats is telling us and, and press backs that that's when Katie Johnson got the game winner. There was, I think, 10 minutes of added stoppage time added on, and it was in the final minutes of that that Angel City actually secures the win. And Katie Johnson, a player that rotated onto this game late, 84th minute. Uh, This was a very interesting game. There was moments uh, of really, really great football. It was transitional. It was competitive, but there was also moments where it was a bit sloppy on both sides of it, which really fed into the fact that there were so many turnovers. There were so many changes in possession. It was really um, a box-to-box game throughout the majority of this this 90-minute match. And the fact that Angel City uh, gets the opportunity to score a penalty kick in the opening first half, um, they they end up going up 1-0 at this point, and it's Claire Ensley who finishes it. But the start of the second half for Orlando was an entirely different team. Seb Hines um, must have had a really good talking to in the locker room with this club because they came out in the second half 
with a new game plan, a new understanding of how they were going to defend and collapse around Angel City when they had the ball specifically in the midfield. Uh, we got to see a player in Messiah Bright come on and, and play in this game uh, for Orlando. And it was fantastic to see this player get time and, and get minutes. Um, really impressive to see, honestly. But they Angel City gets two penalty kicks, and they can't convert the second one. It was carbon copy. Great job by Anna Morehouse, goalkeeper for Orlando, guessing the right side the second time against Claire Emsley, uh, keeping things on the board after a potential handball in the box. I mean, it was a handball. I don't think it was personally. I, I don't think that the way that the defender slid uh, trying to block the shot counts as a handball, but they awarded it. Um, I mean, this was a really exciting one to end the weekend for sure. I uh, I feel like there's enough within this weekend where there were those types of penalty kick opportunities and whether uh, the penalty kick takers and the shot stoppers, I think we've got enough in this weekend's package of highlights to chat a little bit about that as well. Uh, Emsley getting an opportunity in the, this game to to open the goal scoring and then really pull um, Angel City ahead. Uh, Morehouse uh, facing this, uh, this striker on the second attempt didn't, you know, came up with the save, but not as great of a no. take, I think. I agree. Mm-hmm. From Emsley, um, I think maybe could have been placed uh, a little bit it, it better. It wasn't in the corner by any means. No, you're exactly right. It wasn't placed well. Yeah. It wasn't struck hard. It wasn't in the corner. I, th- um, I think my initial reaction was just kind of like, that makes uh, Caroline's penalty even cooler, like in my opinion. We're going to talk oh, about that. We've got to talk We're going to talk about, about that when we get to that <laughs> game for sure. But uh, I think maybe some, some cause for concern, I think, at that point when um, – you are given that opportunity and you're not able to convert. And you're at this point, maybe you're playing mm-hmm. some questions in your head, like, okay, where is this team? Where are we going to see some improvements in the next week to come? Because it just looks like it's not going to happen tonight. Um, and then there was another review for a potential, another potential penalty, but uh, Katie Johnson in this review was ruled offside. So that wasn't ultimately um, awarded. But this very late game corner kick opportunity, Emsley takes it in and the service in um, Katie Johnson there to put it away. Morehouse in in the vicinity, yeah. in the area, but just reaching into it. Um, it's uh, when we're looking at sort of those week two kind of. Um, you know, improvements. It's like, what are we going to see from some some of these teams that maybe didn't have as great week one performances, and to have that stop. Um, on Emsley and then kind of had this footage on uh, this late game goal to look back on. It's tough. You know, I think uh, this is the second consecutive week where you're looking at this defensive shape of Orlando and, and and you continue to ask um, some more questions, or even if you're the angel city side of things, if this ended one, one, maybe you're continuing to ask those questions of whether it's coaching tactics right. or uh, what does the midfield, you know, what does that midfield look like uh, throughout uh, the remainder of the season or even in these, these early weeks, but um, 
It's all about the points in the end. Those <laughs> all about the points. And I, and I think we got to see a lot of player rotation um, because five players checking in for Angel City and Freya Coombs side, something that we did not see traditionally in, in last year's 2022. Freya Coombs had a pretty short bench. She didn't rotate that much. And we got to see Scarlett Combreros, Sandra. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't give Scarlett a shout out here. This is um, a player we actually haven't talked too much about on the podcast because uh, the, the signing and everything happened a little bit uh, outside of our recording schedule, but coming over uh, from the Liga MX Femenil League uh, to sign with Angel City, this was her first game available for Freya Coombe and Angel City, and Cambreros checks into the match um, uh, around the 70th minute, right before the 70th minute, and we got to see a lot of different looks, and I think the substitutes for Freya Coombe were helpful it did it did throw off the rhythm for angel city a little bit but katie johnson coming in off the bench and ultimately getting that game winner just causing a bit of he- um chaos and and hecticness inside the box is exactly what you need especially yeah. in the waning minutes of stoppage time when you're tied and you're looking for those three points on the road yeah that's a tall task i, I don't know if um i'm, I'm curious as to how freya kuma is going to continue to utilize uh scarlet Camberos. um Obviously came off the bench in a, in a tough moment where it's like right. you're making the decision to either roll the dice and go for all three of those points. I'm curious, you know, in terms of what her um, positional uh, tasks were, were asked of her. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked a little timid at times, but I mean, game one nerves, I think, is a is a big part of that. And game one nerves off the bench and perhaps being asked to get out there and, and create some magic, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that always, I think it sort of, you know, play in on, on the um, mental uh, side of things, but hopefully it's one of those, um, one of those moments for her where it's like, you got that done band-aids off. Welcome to the yeah. NWSL. Let's go. Uh, very curious to see where she's utilized uh, moving forward uh, for this team, but great to see her uh, make her debut after being rumored for weeks and weeks, um, you know, to possibly be connected to angel city. Um, I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, downplay that. I mean, we've had Camberos on the show. You know, we've had an interview with her. We talked about when her signing came through um, literally like a day or two before this this match. Um, and uh, I'm very happy about her arrival to mm-hmm. to the league. Uh, I, I hate how it happened. Um, wrote a little bit about it in the preview. Folks can check that out on, on .com. Um, and, you know, the collaborative effort to get her, her to get her here between Club America and Angel City after she went through some really terrible things when it came to things like digital stalking and um, virtual violence and things like that. So I'm happy that she's here. Hopefully she continues to feel safe and supported and maybe that will continue to show out on the pitch. Um, But big night, big weekend, honestly, for uh, Mexican international players in the league. I'm here for it. We're going to continue to talk about it because there's another game where we have to talk about that as well. But uh, let's keep going with uh, some of the action that took place around the league. We want to touch on racing Louisville and Washington spirit before we take a break, because this game we both had down as a draw. So we're Mm -hmm. going two for two here between the two of us. We went Angel City and then we did have this as a draw, but we wanted to have fun with it we also tried to attach score lines to it and you th- we thought i think a scoreless draw then i put like a one one on it yeah. well, what's gonna happen and you know what happened both of these <laughs> delivered goals a four goal a four goal game between the spirit and racing two two between these teams and they split the points uh nice debut for the uh for the new kids for, mm-hmm. for racing louisville um 
double for for Hatch, um, a debut goal for Ari Borges, and Abby Ersig saying, "Hey, aren't you happy you traded uh, for me?" Yeah, uh, nice, uh, nice. I think performance. I think to get um, really just sort of get still some of that some of that preseason energy out. That's yeah. the other thing about maybe like yeah. the first like honestly the first maybe four weeks even of a regular season. Like you still see some teams trying to like figure some things out and sort of get their identity, their team identity um in check moving forward and i think with these are two teams that we're we're curious about in that aspect where the spirit with mark parsons in year one a yeah. lot of new faces and young pieces and racing louisville with their international experience but still needing maybe some time to to develop a little bit more uh cohesion between them but the goals i think sort of make uh <laughs> make up for that a, a little bit yeah, this game was very exciting. Um, it, it started early with Washington Spirit. I mean, the conditions for those that didn't get to watch this game were less than ideal for either side. It was played at Lynn Family Stadium. It was Louisville's home opener, and there was a wind advisory. So 25-mile-an-hour winds, it was really tough and difficult to to control the ball in the air, to send crosses in. It, we saw players miss hitting the ball. It looked pretty bad at times if you weren't aware of the situation. And then as soon as you saw the flags in the corner of the screen, if you're watching at home and you realized that they were on a right angle out from the flagpole, you realized, oh, okay, it's pretty windy there. It's, it's tough. But uh, starting early with Ashley Hatch finding her groove, um, this is why she won the Golden Boot a, a handful of years ago. This is why she has been successful with Washington and, and why Hatch has been most recently called up to the United States women's national team to find the back of the net, to score goals. And she did that in the 16th minute and the 32nd minute, uh, two back-to-back goals essentially that looked the same. If you're watching the highlights, sometimes it's actually difficult to see the difference between these because they were really very similar. Um, When you're playing as Washington is with a Rodman, Sanchez, Hatch up top, and you have to mark all three of those players, but you've only got four defenders, how you mark them is so crucial. And Rodman is... In, in particular, and, and Sanchez, they're going to be the ones that drop a little bit deeper into the midfield off that front line, leaving Hatch to be. And if you have your two of your four defenders stepping with Rodman and Sanchez to not give them space between the lines, that leaves Ashley Hatch 1v2 against your two center backs. That's exactly where Ashley Hatch wants to be. That's where we saw Hatch get these opening two goals for Washington. She was left alone with two center backs. She makes a great little inside out back shoulder run and she's able to get on the ball on a bit of a breakaway a, a quick touch turn shot and uh, before you know it she's got two nearly identical goals racing louisville then adjusts how they're going to play a little bit they decide we're going to give sanchez and rodman more space between the lines and not allow hatch to run the play and dictate so much of our defensive shape that's when things started to change. Racing Louisville trying to get on the, the positive side of things, especially towards the end of the first half. And coming out in the second half, the 46th minute, Abby Ursig finds the back of the net on a corner kick set piece and in a dominating header from Ursig. And Louisville's feeling momentum. They're back on, on board and they're back running with things. Um, there is really good moments. I I think you mentioned Ari Borges getting the equalizer at the end for racing Louisville, an incredible shot by her. But honestly, to me, that goal falls on really poor defending and clearance from Washington. They couldn't get the ball out. They couldn't clear it. And Borges finds the back of the net. Um, 
Uchenna Canu, a, a player that I wanted to see more of, unfortunately, had to be substituted off uh, right at the end of the first half. But I think a lot of positives from both of these sides building on last week, um, racing Louisville coming off a scoreless draw against Houston. They now find the back of the net two times in this goal. That's a huge improvement over last week's uh, without being able to get a goal. Yeah, I love hearing your um some of your perspectives and takes on this game. Cause I know you were on the, the local call for this mm-hmm. one. So you have like multiple, <laughs> multiple views of a game like this. Honestly, I'm going to disagree a little bit with, with canoe. I thought it sucked when she had to come out of the game. Um, yeah, me too. I wanted to see more of her. I was like, Oh, well that, that we're not going to get the opportunity to maybe see a player like that kind of build into the game. Um, especially coming off of that week one match, I thought uh, showed a lot of promise and um, really good energy. Right. Um, so that kind of like was a little bit of a disappointment, but you always got to make sure that you're taking those types of collisions mm-hmm. seriously. So uh, as a precaution came out and seemed like the right call at, at the time. But I think like before we actually pivot to this, this break, like in your, in your opinion, like, cause with the, with the spirit mm-hmm. and sort of going from their week one result to, to this, to this result, what would you say, or how would you rate maybe their midfield shape from week one mm-hmm. to week two? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think, um, I, I think their midfield was better in the first week against OL Reign. Um, it, whether it was Sanchez in the middle or Paige Mater, the rookie, or Andy Sullivan, they controlled and shut down OL Reign's m- midfield more effectively than they did against Racing Louisville. Now, Racing Louisville wasn't also trying to play centrally. They really weren't. They were looking to go more through the width of the field and um, and then try to get balls into the box. They were looking for the counter press. But um, I don't think – I think Washington's midfield played better week one than they did week two. But Washington's forwards, Rodman, Sanchez, Hatch, played much better week two. They found the spaces. Uh, but – uh, once those spaces went away, they didn't problem solve in the second half to continue to find various spaces and get on the ball. That's something that they did struggle with, but that, that's going to come with time and growing into the game. Um, yeah, but I think defensively, Tara McKeown in the back line in the center back, uh, along with Sam Staub, it's an interesting pairing, but Mark Parsons is high on that duo and really high on McKeown and what she can do defensively. We've mostly seen her higher up the pitch in, in a midfield or, or an outside winger position. All right. Well, Angel City taking all three points. Louisville and Washington splitting the points. We've got a few more games to break down for everyone. So stick with us after a quick break. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
right, let's continue with recapping week two of NWSL. We've got some historic moments that we've actually got to touch on a bit throughout week two. Again, it's so wild to me that we're like hitting some of these milestones and it's only week two of the regular season. But we've also got more games to go through with everyone. Let's uh, let's chat a little bit about Chicago Red Stars and Houston Dash home opener for Chicago. So, you know, I had to go take the game in in person, even with the massive wind chill happening out in Bridgeview, Illinois. 2 1 for Houston, picking up all three points, an important three points. They're going to be on the road for a little while uh, this month. And I would imagine after that draw that they picked up in week one that they wanted to get off on a good start, right? And I think this is a real good start for them uh, moving forward into the regular season. Sanchez with a goal, Diana Ordonez with a goal. Dash scored all the goals in this one. An own goal by Natalie Jacobs as well uh, was a brief equalizer for Chicago. But uh, in terms of what the Dash presented to the Red Stars on the pitch during week two, it's a little, little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more exposure, I think, for Chicago and their three back at the moment. There's some space there um, to utilize. And it uh, turns out if you work some overloads a little bit, you can stretch that back line, despite, despite the, the good veteran pieces that are back there, whether it's a Tierna Davidson or a Casey Kruger uh, or an Alyssa Nair in net, there's opportunity if you've got a very good attacking line. And I know we're very excited for this trio of players with Houston Dash, with Sanchez, Ordonez, and Salmon. I know that there's some question marks for some folks out there. Like, how's it, how is Salmon going to look in year two with the Dash, with somebody like Ordonez so so cemented in this number nine for the dash. Like, is that going to take away from some things? Is there, are we going to see a little bit of an adjustment period? And I think the answer to all those questions is yes, it's in some capacity. But I think if you're, if you're the dash coming away out of this game with all three points and the goals in the manner in which they came one uh, beautiful goal where they broke down the red stars very, very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ultimately a lethal penalty kick conversion by Ardonias in this one, you, you uh, you're walking away with all three points and you're happy that this front line are connecting together. Yeah. I think, I mean, pretty brutal for Chicago to lose back-to-back games on penalty kicks, right? That's how they lost against San Diego in the opening week. Yeah, big old thumbs down from Sandra. Um, Defensively, that's tough. That is really tough to see for your team. Um, Even opposition looking at that, it's kind of like, oh, like – that's where they're struggling. Like those, it's it's very unusual that that's where you see back to back losses. But I mean, even forcing um, the own goal that that comes for Houston and the only way that Chicago gets on the board, like, does that concern you at all that that Chicago couldn't find the back of the net themselves? So in in two weeks, they've only got one run of play goal. Is that something that concerns you and and this front line and attacking for the Red Stars? Not right now. I think it's still really early to say, like, ring the alarms, mm-hmm. um, because I think when you go when you go back to this game a, a little bit, we see Chicago and we 
saw like throughout certain phases and stretches of the game, they had opportunities. Like I think right. they, if memory serves me correctly, they ended this game with more shots, uh, you know, over uh, over Houston. I think they might have been level with like attempts on target, but there just, just there just wasn't anything that was going in. Um, yeah, thirteen the the net. thirteen shots for Chicago, eight for Houston, three on target for Chicago, four on target for Houston. So yeah, yeah there was shot them. And, you know, sort of watching the game in person, I think, gives you a little bit of a different perspective, you know, instead of watching it in specific angles on a stream um, and getting a chance to talk to to folks post game and sort of hear them reflect on that, whether it was Aaron Wright or head coach Chris Petroselli, alluding to the fact that like they just weren't they had the opportunities. They eventually they played themselves into the game. They conceded that goal really early. Mm -hmm. We're talking like four minutes into the match, but it didn't take that team to all of a sudden play their way back in it. and force a lot of set pieces. Uh, they had a lot of corners in the game, but again, just was unable to go ahead and, um, you know, capitalize which, on which that. Corners have been a, an issue that Chicago struggled with. They had 12, 12. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that that, that own goal sort of came off of some chaos that, mm -hmm. um, Swanson and let's be real, Casey Kruger kind of generated in the box the delivery, the service from uh Swanson and the sort of the positioning of Kruger, uh kind of forced like forcing and manifesting this 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 own goal out of kind of nothing. Um, I thought was important for a team. And we're talking about capitalizing on things, try to just get it any way you can. I mean, that's how one of their goals came against San Diego. You just saw Nagasato just throwing a boot through it, right? Like, is this the way it's going to happen? Um, but this is the second consecutive game that they drop a result uh, related to VAR. And it's not yeah. dunk on something like VAR. I think people are already upset that it exists uh, in the league. But I think if it's, if anything, VAR is helping shine a light on maybe some of the pro the early problems that are coming to light. If you, if you want to target early problems for a team like Chicago, you're looking at that three back a little bit. And though you have a mostly healthy uh, you know, defensive line, how are these, how are these um, moments and these scenarios kind of coming to life uh, in which they're happening in these kind of, one of them came in a really late game scenario and the other one coming at a, at a, at another important time, maybe right around the hour mark, right? Uh, you take the game in phases and the hour mark is always something that teams are going to try to plan for as well, whether it's for subs or um, adjustments or, or other, or otherwise. So yeah. I think um, in terms of, film and things to go over there's more for chicago um, than it is for for houston um but i loved taking the game in in person uh love the uh the history that was made in in this game it's the first time there were ever two mexican national team players who have scored in an nwsl game and i just sort of feel like that's history um that's yeah. been a long time coming. I mean, for those who are newer to the NWSL, its history is rooted in CONCACAF collaboration. Um, the United States women's national team, Canada's national team, Mexico's national team all sort of came together and said, yes, there needs to be domestic league play. There needs to be a place for players to play. And Canada and Mexico's inclusion um, was in good faith and that they would have a place for players to play, especially with Mexico at the time, not having a domestic league. And unfortunately in 2015 through some 
they said, they said kind of energy. Coaches weren't necessarily playing Mexican national team players and others alluding, uh, you know, to the fact that maybe there wasn't a tactical place for those players at the time, which is a load of bull. (laughs) That's just another way, in my opinion, of saying that coaches don't have good ideas or know how to utilize these types of players. Yeah. But I love what we're seeing in NWSL in year 11. We're not necessarily seeing that narrative anymore. We're looking at Mexican national team players who are starters in this league. We're looking at the arrival of even more Brazilians into the league, and they are providing exciting, thrilling, good, skillful, talented soccer. And it's, I'm here for it. I love it's it. It's amazing. It's entertaining. They're incredibly talented. It's it's about time. You're exactly right. I mean, some of these records, uh, you look at them and you're like, okay, like that's, that should have happened already. And this is one of them to me. I'm glad it finally happened. I'm glad uh, the duo of Maria Sanchez and Diana Ordonez are not only on the same team, but dominating together. I mean, that's, it was a dominating performance between uh, that pair and then throw an Ebony Sam into the front line. I mean, give, give Ordonez this year. She is going to be fierce. She scored that penalty kick and her celebration, the focus, the determination on, on her face, a young player. It's only her sophomore season in the NWSL, her sophomore year out of college. And she's already got this incredibly intense determination to be one of the best and and you know it's going to come that it was a very intimidating look as someone watching this game on a television a good, i was a like good well yeah. take, a good well taken penalty kick by Ardonez against nair uh i loved it full of confidence amazing uh good positioning slotted it through um i i just love it like I, that's what i mean when i say like this is just a long time coming you know there have been there have been dual nationals that have tried to to make their way and, and stamp their place in this league. And it just, for varying reasons, has not sort of come to life. And to sort of finally see this tie turning a little bit with more um, Latin American players and players with Latin American heritage kind of leaving their mark on these games... I'm always going to be here for that. Let's talk about some more historic moments in the league. And I want to hear your thoughts on this game because we've got some weather games to talk about. We chatted a little (laughs) bit how the wind came into play with Chicago. But Gotham FC versus O.L. Rain. Oh, my God. Rain and lightning delays in this one. I got to hear your thoughts on this. It, How do you stay locked into a game like this I mean, when you're on a local broadcast? It, it was crazy. There was tornado warnings. I'm from Philadelphia, right? And this game taking place in Harrison, New Jersey. It's just about an hour, hour and a half north of me. Tornado warnings up and down the East Coast, basically from D.C. all the way to New York and north of it. So games getting canceled and postponed and delayed left, right, and center. Um, and this one, we knew before – kickoff that this was going to be delayed and pushed back. There was lightning in the area. There was a tornado potentially coming through, uh, which is for for those that don't know, that is very rare. We get warnings all the time, but they're usually really quick. And that's honestly what happened. This storm, it was bright and sunny. And then before you know it, the clouds were everywhere. The sky was pitch black, uh, hail, thunder, lightning, 
rain coming down. Uh, no, I did not see a twister. I didn't see anything like that. But the game eventually got kicked off around 9.15-ish. I think 9.16 was the official kick for this game, originally scheduled for 7.30. But it's there's definitely a, a mental part of it that you're now delayed. But the one of the greatest things that happened is we knew that this game was going to be delayed. The players knew, the officials, the coaching staff. So the teams didn't have a full warm-up play five minutes and then have to go back into the locker room. That's the worst thing that can happen. This was postponed before the players even took the field to warm up or anything like that. Um, and, and then once things did get underway, it was a, a little bit of feeling each other out. OL rain playing a, a very slow methodical let's lure Gotham to sleep before we get a goal. We're going to switch the point of attack a lot. Um, I got to look up these stats. I want to know how many times Alana cook and Sam Hyatt, touch the ball and, and path because all they did was just pass around the back line, which forced uh, Goodman's daughter, Williams purse to try to put on a press that OL rain didn't really have that much urgency to break. If they did break the press, they then brought it back. It was a really, really methodical game for OL rain and how Laura Harvey wanted to play. But I think at the end of the day, the team in, in OL Reign has to be incredibly happy going back-to-back -back games on the road to start the season. Uh, it, no team has ever done that. They've never done that. It's one of the hardest things to do. They've been, they haven't been back to Seattle between opening week against Washington and then playing against Gotham. They stayed on the East Coast and OL Reign ends up getting the the win in this one. Um, it yeah. comes the first goal for Jess Fishlock in the 31st minute, and then Bethany Balser seals the deal at the end of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you giving a little bit of applause for, for Fishlock in, in the background, making history in this game. We're talking about historic moments, maybe throughout even just week two. Fishlock, the first player to score in all 10 seasons of the NWSL. So congrats uh, in order for that uh, momentous occasion and also the all three points, right? We're, we're talking about teams maybe trying to build from week one to week two. Maybe we saw a little bit of that uh, by the rain in this match, all things considered with the delay, whether it's a mental adjustment or otherwise, like you said, maybe lulling some players to, to sleep out there after an already long delay. When we're looking at teams and uh, whether or not they built off of those week one performances, when we're looking at Gotham, again, I'm talking about, you know, wins maybe sometimes lead to short memories uh, and picking up that win in week one against Angel City. And we still had some questions. We were like, OK, is this yeah. what is how exactly is Gotham still going to look like moving forward under under this new head coach and Juan Carlos Amaros? And then maybe getting this week two match and and still having some of those same uh, questions a little bit um, yeah. getting shut out in this one. Yeah, I think when you look at the the lineup for uh, Gotham and Juan Carlos Amoros, there's only one change from last week and how things changed out. No Allie Krieger available. We saw her go down early in week one in, in the opening 15, 20 minutes of that game. So then ha things having to be shifted around. Um, Brunina on, on the wide right areas. So that pushed Kelly O'Hara to the left side and, and fans um, used to seeing O'Hara on the right side, but the the front three for me between Goodman's daughter, Purse, and Williams, I mean, honestly, really, 
Ryan in the midfield, Purse and Williams for me were incredibly effective. Chrissy Mewis playing more of that connector, that midfield number eight role where she's really trying to connect between Allie Long um, and, and the front line for Gotham. But Yasmeen Ryan, I think, had a, had a really good game running around. There's yeah. definitely moments in pockets where she got lost. It was almost like too much movement for her. Her teammates couldn't find her. But when they were on the same page, when things were clicking for Gotham, it was because Yasmeen Ryan was getting on the ball and then able to connect passes. I think the interchange between Lynn Williams and, and Midge Purse up top was effective um, in creating space space and getting overloads, uh, but just nothing able to come of it for Gotham. But there are pieces there. There are really good pieces and really good moments. Um, I mean, to be honest, getting Allie Long back is a game changer for Gotham. Yes, they signed Kelly O'Hara. Yes, they signed Abby Smith in goal, who won the NWSL championship last year with Portland. Uh, Yes, they've got Lynn Williams, but Allie Long to me is a glue that's going to keep this team together. In, In the midfield when she's playing, it's just an entirely different game with her in that midfield coming back from having two twins last year. And, and then even as substitutes come throughout this game for Juan Carlos Amoros and Gotham, they don't take long out. Instead, they just drop her to the center back. She can, she wears that um, captain's armband and, and she runs the show. That's, Long is going to be the player that needs to keep things connected and going for this team this year. And I think Gotham understands that, especially over the last two weeks as she's come in and played 90 minutes. What did I say earlier? I was like, earlier in the episode, I was like, uh, we might still see some preseason things for some teams out yeah. there, maybe even rolling into week four. So maybe for Gotham, it's a little bit of that too. It's like, just yeah. give them four weeks and it's over for you. We'll see. We've got two more games to recap and chat about. Coming up next, stick around after a quick break. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! All right, let's chat about our final two games. We chose the dominating winners. We saved them for last. Let's start talking about San Diego Wave FC's win over North Carolina Courage. Three to one, solid win for San Diego Wave. The Caroline penalty kick question mark we'll we'll talk about <laughs> it a uh, lot of other we'll, we'll even talk about some of the historical things within this match too they're the uh, alex morgan and Jaden shaw uh the goals uh pair of goals in this one they are the uh, first duo to score in their first two matches of an nwsl season so maybe this one almost sort of giving the impression as if it was getting away at one point, perhaps from uh, the courage. One of those teams that walked away with kind of a gutsy pair or excuse me, trio of points in that week one win um, against Kansas City. But another team with young players, a young core, let's just say a young core, maybe not full of rookies, but players that they're trying to work into a system and build around and with moving forward. So I was very curious how they were going to look on the road in a place like Snapdragon that has shown already that they're going to have some pretty good crowd atmosphere at these games. Um, I will say didn't look like a team on the road that was intimidated by that. I thought there were some pretty good individual performances there. I really enjoyed watching Kiki Pickett on the pitch for the Courage. I thought she had really, really good moments. Moments. Um, but San Diego with the killers in front of goal, just able to put these and execute the goals uh, towards the end. 3 1. 
Yeah, I think that's important to look at kind of how the execution came of this. Um, we got to see penalty kicks happening uh, for, for a couple of different sides here for these teams because Alex Morgan, she goes two for two on the year, two for two in 2023. What does that mean? You're now like eight for eight with San Diego um, uh, from the penalty spot. Like this is this is what's going to happen again this year. You know that Alex Morgan can score these penalty kicks. She's been on a roll. If you take down a, a San Diego player in the box, like this is what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> it, it also happened pretty much back to back. San Diego gets awarded the penalty kick in the 73rd minute, and then North Carolina gets one uh, just about five minutes later in the 77th minute. Caroline steps up to the spot. Um, she goes, and if you were listening to this one on Paramount Plus, we had JP Della Camera, Saskia Weber. I loved it. Saskia Weber, former goalkeeper, for those that don't know, she's a new analyst in the league this year, and she is just crushing it. Um, go back and watch this call. Watch it. our highlights on Attacking Third because – Weber goes nuts. At my, this girl was, my girl was upset. <laughs> and just texting me like, "This is is this Saskia? Like, who's on this call?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's yeah. Saskia Weber." Can you hear her going nuts? It's amazing. <laughs> she there ends up turns out that it was a penalty kick. Right, Caroline goes up to the penalty spot to to take the the sh- kick against Kaylin Sheridan, and there is a very slow stutter step stop from Caroline that throws off Kaylin Sheridan, sends Saskia Weber into a tizzy, and Caroline scores. Now, this wasn't a game-changing goal coming in the 77th minute. North Carolina at this point is down 3-0. This one makes them um, down 3-1. So they're climbing back into it. I think if the game was a bit more on the line, we would have seen more of an outburst from San Diego, Casey Stoney, Kaylin Sheridan even at that point. But Kaylin Sheridan doesn't even dive for this penalty kick. And she is just thrown off by the stutter, thrown off by what many think is a stop by Caroline before she hits this penalty kick. And so Kaylin Sheridan doesn't fall, but she doesn't necessarily stop. It is a legal penalty kick. And that's how North Carolina gets their lone goal. It it was crazy. I loved it. I uh, I was like, more of this, please. I I love an elaborate stutter step, and you know who hates it? Goalkeepers. So I also oh, equally yeah. loved the reaction from Weber on the call. I was like, this is so good. Uh, like just, just the two, just the what we were watching and then what we were hearing. I I I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm a fan of it. More flair in, in the league. Yeah. I love I love fun. I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. It is. Um, I, I like the fun crazy penalty kicks i mean we're gonna see more of them this year than we have in years past with var coming in with just the way kind of the game and the league is developing how many did we have this weekend four i think i i don't even know but because of that i like it i like the flair i like seeing how different players take it this one was a little bit of a stretch for me i'm not gonna lie i'm not a goalkeeper by any means but i see how it's a really exaggerated stutter stop step now it is legal completely but it's rough. It's definitely rough. I mean, clearly, if you ask Saskia Weber about it, she'll go nuts, yeah. which is which is good. That's exactly. I, I think everybody. I think everybody in the pits were like, "All right, clap, clap, clap!" Like you put us in the, like Caroline went and put everybody in the matrix on that one. Like maybe maybe Caroline was moving too fast, and we all were we too just slow couldn't to keep up. She was a blur, and we thought it was a stutter, but really, she was just so quick. It was a blur. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I, listen, um, don't give Caroline more opportunities to convert into PK in the, in the box because we might see some, um, some more cool stuff uh, along the way. But that's two for two for San Diego. They've got six points through two weeks. I think we're getting to a point where we're about to hit a little bit of a break for the international window. Maybe uh, you're you're going to start looking at players who who leave and make their exit. There's not going to be games right away this weekend. But I think when you're looking at all of your players available in these opening weeks, if you're San Diego, you're one of those teams that's going to have a handful of players that will eventually depart for international responsibility, whether it's certain windows or for the World Cup specifically. You want to pick up those points while you've still got the majority of your starting caliber type of players and San Diego has done just that within their opening two weeks you know who else has done just that Portland Thorns FC and we're closing out the episode with this mic drop a hat trick from Sophia Smith four to one against the Kansas City Current in the 2022 championship final rematch man we've got too many things to talk about in this one whether it's Portland's dominance or the question marks around Kansas City current. Lisa, I'm going to let you take the angle, which one you want to talk about more first. I, I mean, we have to start with a little bit of Sophia Smith because the sauce that this player is bringing every single week is just jaw-dropping, incredible. No one is shocked about it. No one is surprised. Everyone is entertained and having fun for this player. Three goals in this match, a hat trick for Sophia Smith, 25 regular season goals for Smith. She becomes the the youngest player, the quickest player to do it. I'm, of course, fumbling over that fun and cool stat that we have from Sophia Smith. But it is just incredible to watch it come. One of them also off a penalty kick, uh, two of them coming in the run of play. This is just incredible from Sophia Smith. She looks like she is electrified. This is going to be the year of Sophia Smith. She's unstoppable at this point. When you look at, at what Portland has done between their opening week and this week, um, four goals, Sandra, four goals, a variety of different goal scorers, Smith with four of the eight that have happened in the opening two weeks. Um, there are just so many positives from this Portland side that they have not missed a single beat, a single beat from last year. Crystal Dunn also on top of the world. She starts the scoring for Portland in this match in the opening three minutes um, and, and a beautiful assist from Sam Coffey and, and Dunn finds the back of the net. This is the Crystal Dunn that we got to see a glimpse of at the end of last year, but she had the full offseason. She's had national team call-ups again to get back into the swing of things. She's feeling herself. She's feeling confident. There are so many good fun positive parts of this can or this Portland side to watch it's it's so entertaining it is so entertaining what a way to kick off our weekend right this was our opening weekend CBS game that we got to see between Portland and Kansas City I mean it's just like she picks up right where she left off right if you're Sophia Smith I mean we're talking about the NWSL championship rematch right these two teams were the last two teams to sort of feature in kind of that big CBS network game and they're back on it again and Sophia Smith it's fastest and youngest to 25 goals in Thank the you. NWSL ridiculous talent from Sophia Smith her skill on the ball, just making it look easy along the way. I mean, but maybe that's sort of the transition here. We got to talk about Kansas City Current a little bit. This is week two where they have not 
looked up to speed or up to mm-hmm. par with maybe what we might have put on them in terms of ex- expectation. Um, I think people are leaving room for things like, well, they're a little bit unhealthy right now. They've got a number of starters who can't get out there, but these are also players. Most of them are newly acquired players. Mm-hmm. The team did eventually get to see the debut of Dubinia, someone who's also not really at a hundred percent, but uh, in terms of the shape that we're looking at, um, from the current, I don't know if this is one that's really working for them right now out of the gate in yeah. week one and week two. Uh, the defensive shape kind of looks a little lost mm-hmm. at times. Uh, AD French having to do a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're not- missing big pieces. You have to remember that with Kansas City, right? No, Desiree Scott, she's not available for this team right now. Um, they don't have Kristen Edmonds anymore. Edmonds has gone to Gotham and solidified herself there in that back line. Yes, they've got Mace, they've got Weinbrenner, they've got Merrick, who we saw at the end of last year for Kansas City, but Gabrielle Robinson stepping into that center back position. That's tricky. I mean, Alex Luera could play in the back line, but I think she's much more useful for Kansas City and Matt Potter when she's higher up the pitch. She's much more effective there. But there's a caveat. She's only effective when Kansas City has the ball and when she's on top of the ball because her defensive skills, they get to be broken down a little bit. She gets pulled out of position occasionally being centrally. I mean, yeah, they they don't have as much star power and depth as Matt Potter wants to have. But it's only week two of the season. That's kind of the the silver lining I'm seeing for Kansas City current. We did get to see Dabinia, as you mentioned, make her appearance, 70th minute, Children's Mercy Park, going absolutely bonkers. Bonkers when this Brazilian international stepped onto the pitch. Um, that's that's what'll come, right? We're gonna get these moments where these players are coming back into the mix. Uh I mean, even Desiree Scott, once she gets back, she's dealing with a bit of a knock at this point, missing the first few weeks. That's that's hurting this team. They need a leader and someone in the midfield defensively to hold things together because they're just playing a ton, a ton of young players. Robinson, Weinbrenner, Luera, uh, Coran, Cooper. These are Uh all first, second year players. Yes, I was going to say Cooper, perhaps another one of those bright spots. Like if you're reaching. Right. We're right. asking for like silver linings uh, if you're Kansas City, sort of looking at those things. Um, yes, they're still playing a, a ton of rookies and they're getting important minutes, you know, under under their professional belts here. But but it's maybe hard if you're looking, but maybe if you look so much. Yes, I was gonna say if we look at that availability report. Yeah. Um, no Gatra, no D Bernardo, um, Hamilton, no Hamilton, Gloss, Hannah Gloss no, wasn't available. I was gonna, so I was gonna say like. What's give me one player? You only get one, one player off that AR that you put into this game that makes the difference, and or maybe doesn't make this scoreline as much of a blowout as it is. Uh, that's really tricky. I mean, we're getting there's a number of attacking players in that mix, but for me, it's going to be Morgan Gatrol because she'll bring that defensive presence into the midfield. Now, she's new with this team, um, and not sure how much in preseason we got to see of her and, and with this squad so far, but that's the only thing that would bring the hiccup is okay, how does she look along this middle? But if you put a Morgan Gatrol alongside an Alex Luera, that's what I want to see. That's the partnership. I think that'll really lock things up in front of 
of the center backs. Um, and because, right, like you've got Michelle Cooper, you've got Kaiser, Kate Delfava, Alola Bonta, like those players can find the back of the net. Um, so that's why I would go with a Gatral over a Hamilton because without a Gatral in there, you're not getting the ball to your Cooper, Delfava, Kaiser, Labanta. You're just no, not fair, fair enough. And look, look, there's things like injuries, uh, updated injury reports, um, news and things that we'll talk about in our news and notes episode. Um, I know folks are out there. If, if you're in the one of those hardcore fans invested into the league, who's also listens to a three, you're aware at this point of um, the allegations that have been brought forth by uh, Makaya Minis and her, her mother and, and her treatment as a rookie into her introduction into the league via Kansas city. Current. These are all things we're going to chat about on our news and notes episode. We just want to make sure that you all know that um, we're going to sort of just make sure that we're talking about the recap of, of the games right now. So when whenever you're looking for our takes and, and, and our thoughts and stuff on, on the news portion of, of things, make sure you take a look at our news and notes episode. So for now, I'm going to ask you one quick question before we close out. Lisa, we got week one. We got week two. Week two, week one, which action did you like coming out of these first two opening weeks? We're rating the weeks. Did we uh, we're rating the weeks. Week two? That, this is kind of tricky for me. I'm going to say week two, though, because week one is always exciting, but it's so many unknowns. It's so many what's going to happen. Um, and besides, I got all my picks right this week. So this week was better for me. Um, I got all six. That betrayed me. I was one off. <laughs> I got all six picks right. So I, I predicted well this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, this week we got to see a little bit more. We got to see that it wasn't a fluke for Portland last week, getting four in on Orlando. It wasn't a poor performance by Orlando is dominance by Portland. And we see that again. I think we get to see just how dangerous San Diego can be. Um, a little bit of a turnaround for Angel City as well, uh, getting this win, bouncing back after an opening week loss. Yeah, it's it's more telling this second week. I liked the second week better. What about you? First week, second week, how are you feeling? I'm with you. I think, I think there's more uh, in week two that you could take away from week mm-hmm. one, right? Because there's footage, there's at this point, there's film to look at, there's footage out there to go over and you could sort of maybe take a look at teams and see where they tried to make those adjustments. Cause I think that's what you look for in week two. Week one, everybody's just so amped to be back, like us included, right? We were so excited to have NWSL back and talk about it. And week two is where you get the opportunity to see if teams are building off of those performances. And uh, we've got a little bit of time before we are back here chatting about another preview and another recap, because there's going to be a little bit of break in the Uh, NWSL season. Uh, It's going to return back on April the 14th in light of the international window that's coming up. So make sure that you are ready for week three, when it returns with a free month on Paramount Plus, because Paramount Plus is your home for the 2023 NWSL season. Paramount Plus is giving away one free month to kickstart you for the NWSL season. Use promo code NWSL23. That's NWSL2023 for one free month of Paramount Plus. Don't worry, we're going to be back with more episodes in light of the NWSL break, but thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third tonight. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too, so subscribe on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash Attacking Third, and we'll be back with a news and notes episode on Wednesday. For Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.